after my mom passed. When did your mom pass away? November of 2016. Oh, just recently. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been, child. That's what I'm doing back here. Huh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. What's up, y'all? It's your girl Kelly here on Kelly Talks. And I'm so excited about our guest today, man. It is going down this young lady her and i we started comedy sort of kind of around the same time all facts 10 plus years ago uh i don't remember exactly when she started but i know i started 11 years ago and we were on the scene at the same time word to your mother and that is her that you're listening to right now um i want you guys to help me welcome mr ronna browning I'm a Ronald Lopez, but yeah, you, you know. are a Ronald Lopez. Yeah, I've always know. known you as Browning, but you go by Lopez. Bingo by Lopez. I just don't. You've been in L.A. Come on now, give me a break. Hey man, listen. But yeah, it's a Ronald Lopez went through all that paperwork to change that, and so until there's a husband number two or whatever in the picture, we keeping it. But it's I know just that's right. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. But I was trying to give you some hype woman energy. You were, and like, time messed up your name. To, yep. To, yep. To, Jumping in, you I know. feel you. I feel you. I, I I messed that up. I did. We good. We good in these streets. How how is it? What's we, going down? We gonna keep it moving though. We gonna keep it going. Arana is a stand up comedian, uh, astrologist. That's what I call it. She be putting out them videos, doing that work, telling you what your sign means, son. Um, and she does a lot of great stuff. If you ever follow her on Instagram or look at any of her YouTube, she has a lot of great videos out there. Very, very funny young lady. Uh, I believe she was on Wild and Out. Yes. And a few other things as well that I feel like I'm missing. What else have you done, if you could give us a break? Uh, Martin Lawrence First Amendment. And then, you know, uh, wrote for, you know, like a couple shows and stuff like that. And I was in a play with Vivica Fox, like a straight-to-DVD movie. That was O-B-E-T called Lord All Men Can't Be Dogs. <laughs> title, can we curse or no? Yeah, no, oh, you're okay. fine. Yeah. I was about to censor myself real quick. Don't censor yourself. Okay, the title wasn't shit, but, you know, it got me in, like, my intro to SAG. And, you know. Oh, that's I what's up. Great, yeah, and I met some great people. It was fun. That's great. That's I great. Know, some, you know. Yeah, so that's what we have on the show today. And we're going to be talking about a lot of great things. Um, and I want to dive right in. So tune in now. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say. Sometimes Kelly will say it anyway. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say. I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. All right. Arana, is your name an extension of Aaron? Of course it is. My father's name is Aaron. Um, My mother wanted to name me Beth. Don't know why, because I'm black. And that's just not... uh, Beth? Yeah. It's not a (laughs) cool-ass black girl name. I don't know what the hell she was thinking. But was it short for Bethany? Or? No, just Beth. She really liked it. She wanted to do that. And my father was like, hell no, that's corny. We name it after me. My father, um, it was three girls. My mother had my brother from her previous marriage. My father really, really wanted a boy. And it's like the 80s and stuff. You know, black people didn't believe in like ultrasounds and shit. They thought that was like witchcraft. And shit. <laughs> you know, black people don't believe in nothing but Jesus. So uh, they didn't. They were really hoping for a boy or whatever. I came. I was the second girl. He was like, somebody get named after me. Her name finna be Arana. 
And that's and what he they just threw did. an A on it. And he really did. That is black people just funny. be making up stuff. So but, did you grow up with your your both your parents? Yep. Sure and did. your four siblings? Yep. Everybody. Nice. Everybody. How was that? Were you a middle child? I sure was. Dead smack in the middle because you had the older brother, the mm. older sister, and then the two younger sisters. Mm. No, I had uh, older brother, older sister, me, and then the baby sister. Got you. And she came when I was five. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it was like so you got super I wasn't ignored. the oldest. <laughs> I wasn't uh I wasn't the oldest. I wasn't the first girl. I wasn't the baby girl, but I was the smart one. So Okay. And then both my parents were teachers, so that's where they egged me on, like, yeah, bitch, get them awards. Nice. Yeah, bitch. Like that's that's where I got the approval and stuff from my parents. What's to your education? So yeah. you kinda was a straight A student throughout. Yeah. I really? met the mayor, had lunch with his uh, with his wife, Mayor Daly, Maggie Daly. I was in all those scholarship programs. I was in Chicago Scholars, Associated Colleges of Illinois, Chicago Summer Business Institute, all that shit. Wow. I went to U of I with money in my pocket. That's correct. And I was just said, I was just finna ask you, what college did you go to? University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, fighting the line out. I was out there like a dope dealer with a cell phone in, 19, <laughs> in 1999. What did you study? Mm-hmm. Broadcast journalism. I got in under psychology because uh, that's back when I was still trying to please my parents and be a doctor. And two weeks into it, I was like, man, fuck that. I don't want to do this shit. I wanted to do acting. But my mom basically told me to my face, you come here with an acting degree, bitch. We don't know you. Wow. Like, what are you doing? Like, a degree in acting? Just go do it. Because they but, were educators. Yeah. That's like, but to get a degree in acting. So then I was like, well, I still know I want to do television. But I want to learn some technical skills, so I'm going to just go and learn the skills and then eventually turn the camera around on myself. And right. who knew YouTube would be out, like, a few, a few years later? Right, to give you that opportunity to do whatever the hell you want to at that yeah. point. Dude, I almost made the dumbest decision in my life trying to go to grad school and spend $30,000 a semester to go to NYU. Like, I was dead set on that shit because I wanted to be like Spike Lee. Spike Lee was one of my favorites growing up. I watched. I did cinema studies as my minor mm-hmm. at uh, U of I. So I was taking all kind of film classes. I was in film programs and like intensives. And I would study uh, black female directors, Cassie Lemons. Um, ooh, the woman that made The Watermelon Woman. Uh, her name escapes me right now. But like there was like black, Julie Dash, Daughters of the Dust, like real historical black pieces. And... Um, and Debbie Allen, hell yeah. Yeah, Debbie Allen. I love her. And uh, so that was my line of study of what I was trying to do. And I applied to grad school, Columbia, NYU, UCLA, USC, the works, because I wanted to get into those prestigious schools. Didn't get into none of them. And what? that's when my comedy career began. Look at God, huh? Wow. And I was, how did you get started in stand-up? So that's when you decided that you wanted to do stand-up, or how did it happen? So I was in that place of um, the academic route, because that was the route that I was, you know, basically ingrained in me. That's the way you got to be and got to make it. And not just my parents, my entire family is a family of educators. Like pretty much everybody has had a hand or a position somewhere in Chicago public schools. So everybody was ferociously like, success looks like this, you got to do it this way. So I didn't get into any of the film programs. I was real crushed about that. And... Unfortunately, I felt I felt like I failed my parents and I failed myself. So I was determined to become a filmmaker. I decided I was going to go the Quentin Tarantino route, and I applied to become a, 
a manager of a video store because that's what Quentin Tarantino did. He didn't get into film school. He just worked at a video store and studied film ridiculously. And it was like, fuck that. I'm going to make my own films. So I was like, I'm going to do that. And wow. I did that. And I was actually, I learned that I was pretty good in sales. Mm -hmm. And so I would make friends with the people that would come in my store all the time. And I would sell them on all the stuff that we would have. And my numbers got really good. So the vice president of the company was like, yo, Arana, I don't know what you're doing down at Store 54, but we want to offer you a district manager position, da 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 I was like, oh, snap, whatever. I'm like 22, 23, right. out of college. And I ain't had no real bills and stuff at the time. And I had Blue Cross Blue Shield. So I was really pumped, like, all right, well, I'll just do this. And then pay to go to film school. I'll go to New York Film Academy or something and pay for that. Um, what happened in that was I got played on a raise. And it put me in this place where I felt like I was begging for money. Like, you know, I worked hard. I made all these numbers. You know, the deposits I was uh, taking in the store and putting to the bank was like $50,000. You know, they were generating, because this is before Netflix, they was generating real bread. In a day. Right. But right. my salary wasn't shit. <laughs> right. I was getting like 2000 a month. Right. And I got a degree and I had these grades and all this stuff that's supposed to matter to society and what I'm told I'm supposed to be championing and, and my check wasn't shit. And I'm like, I mean, I ain't the smartest, but I can add. And I know that for all this work I'm putting in, this ain't nothing. I ain't had no social life. I was always at work. I was a boss too. I had to wear suits. I had to hire people, fire people. And I'm at work over 50 hours a week and I'm making 2000 I was right. like, this shit sucks. So I was like, I don't want to do this shit. And the regulars that I had coming in the store would come in to kick it with me and talk shit. And that's where the comedy came from. Okay. Because my coworker, well, they were my employees. My employees and the regulars be like, bitch, you stupid. They want to hear the, the movie reviews. New movies would come out every Tuesday and every week, and we would get them early. And so before they rent them, they're like, we know you didn't say that. Who in this? We're like, I live Paris Hilton in it. You know it ain't shit. Right. And they would just banter. And they was like, you should do comedy. Ha, you fired. Fuck that. What are you talking about? Like, wow. fuck comedy. What? No. But when they played me on the raise, that's where I had this big fuck corporate America like thing. Like, yeah. it, it felt like everything I learned was like a lie. And I just wasn't engaged anymore to like continue that. I didn't really see the point in it. Yeah. So all I was trying to do was figure out what I was good at and what I would enjoy doing and building a career on. And I can't remember the first place I went, but I ended up going to a comedy show um, after all of this was happening. So and did you quit or did you do stand-up and then quit? No, I, I um, this is how it happened. So they kept putting this, you should try stand-up, you should try stand-up, you should try stand-up. I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm depressed. I'll do it. Like, okay. what what, what, what I got to lose? I did it one time in college, and it went pretty good. I was like, I'll do it. And my best friend's mother does hair. She knew Marlon. She got me in contact with Marlon. Marlon Mitchell. Marlon Mitchell, yeah. She got me in contact with Marlon. Marlon was like, yo, come to this comedy club named Riddles, and, you know, me and all these other comics going to be there. Come watch it. Like, really observe it. You got questions, come holler at me, whatever. I went to Riddles. It was April 1st, 2006. D-Ray was there, Leon Rogers, Horace H.B. Sanders from Detroit. Um, Jay Deep was there. And Marlon. And I just remember sitting in that crowd being like, oh, yeah, I'm finna do this. 
this is it. This is what I want to do. And I had a whole conversation with them. I asked, how do I get, how do I get in it? What do I do? They're like, just start writing material that's funny to you. And that's how you do it. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I did it. And then the next day went to my job and was like, I quit. Oh, I had nothing wow. on me. I had nothing scheduled, nothing, nothing. I was just like, I was so like, I don't want to do this shit no more. I was like, I'm out of here. And because April Fool's Day had just happened, they really thought it was a fucking joke. They thought I was playing. I'm like, bitch, I'm grown. I don't. Right. I don't believe in April Fool's Day. I'm out of <laughs> here. They was like, no, nah, but for real, you always been silly. Like, I'm like, bitch, I'm out. In two wow. weeks, see if I come in here. I'm, I'm going to give you a key card and I'm going to be gone. And they was like, stop playing. I'm like, all right. Well, wow. have you worked another job since then? Mm-hmm. But I left that alone. And I had to. I had to leave that alone. Like I said, I was working over 50 hours a week. Mm-hmm. There was no way I would have been able to get on the open mic scene and do all of that initial grinding that you got to do to even get into stand-up. Because the money ain't shit when you start. Yeah. And I didn't really know that when I started, but I was having so much fun and really excited about this new endeavor. I didn't really fucking care. So I just took a job at The Gap. And just and started waiting tables and eventually became a bartender. And then six months after I started, that's when I got Laugh-A-Palooza. So that was the confirmation because once I did it and I was serious about it, and the first time I had, like, a great set of jokes and notes, I prayed. I was like, God, if this is what I'm supposed to be doing, like, show me. Like, if like just let me know I'm not wasting my time. Because nobody was really fucking with me trying to do stand-up. Nobody. My mom and me fell out for like a year or two. That was like a really sore patch in our relationship for a long time. She told me I was throwing my life away. Oh, wow. That has to be hard. The backstory is my mother uh, went to Roosevelt University, full ride. No money. Wow. Civil rights movement. Like in the civil rights era. For her voice. She was a singer. Oh, wow. But she just... She didn't really... Pursue it, yeah. She got invited to sing for the Queen of England. Like, real opportunities that she passed up on to be a teacher. Wow. And so, as a kid, me and my sisters could all sing. Because, you know, God got a sense of humor. That was the first irony I learned. <laughs> all three of us sang. We wanted to do Mickey Mouse Club. You know, shit that was hot when we kids. <laughs> yeah. She was like, they're not going to pick you. You black. Oh, wow. Just straight, like... They not they not gonna be interested in you, like she killed that. It was like Sister Act Two, like she was like uh, Loretta, not Loretta Devine, uh, Moesha Mama. Oh yeah, she was like Moesha Mama, Cheryl Lee Ralph. She was like her, and I was like Laura Hill, like but Ma, I really want singing. Don't pay the bill, like she was that bitch. It was like right. Mama. Oh so, wow. Mm-hmm. So that had to be challenging to have to yeah try like, to start because starting stand up anyway in itself is a very difficult yeah, process. Was like, you done made all these grades and you done did all of this. What you doing? That's crazy. Da, 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 da. And so in 2010, when I got uh, First Amendment and they filmed it here at the Chicago Theater and that happened to fall on my 10 year anniversary at Morgan Park, it came full circle where people had to go, now nah, she really doing this. Like that was the year me and my mom made up. Like we, we wow. had made up. You but know, not fully. Right. Still that, that tension it there. Fully resolved that year because then that was like. She got really sick uh, with cancer first back in 2009. I was already in L.A. And then when I got that, like, she was really sick, and she was already stage four. So, you know, we had our little moment, you know. And from that point on, she became real supportive, like, all the way up until, like, the end. Like, even when she was in the hospital, anything I got, she would be telling everybody in the hospital, like, Mommy, you can't talk about it. I don't know if it's, like, fine right. like, She didn't care. <laughs> I ain't signed no contract. She, she like, you got to speak it into existence. She didn't care. She was <laughs> yeah. telling everybody so you know we, well that's we good to have that be you know before she passed on to mm-hmm. know that y'all 
resolve that fully. Oh, so, I have no regrets about it. Yeah. Like, last year was a very good year, like on a whole lot of levels, comedy wise. And I'm just grateful she really got to see that. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not really pressed for anything, like ever. And because I've been through so much in my journey and peaks and highs and all that shit, nothing phases me no more. Like, I have got past things so many times that now it's like, mm, I get past this too. I don't really yeah. care. How long have you been doing stand-up? When did you start? 11 years. April 1st, 2006. 2006. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you started a couple months before me. I was mm-hmm. June 30th, 2006. Mm-hmm. And then Laugh of was that October. Yep, and we met each other. That is when we met each we other. We didn't meet each other at the Well, we no, that's when we like that's when we started like hang like when we went to when we was out of town together. That was that was the time we all slept in the bed because niggas was grinding. We, we, was, was, we <laughs> was broke. Everybody was broke. We was all in the same Everybody room. That's like when we connected. Before it was like I see you out and we're like, okay, yeah. let's hit this room. But then that's when we was like, oh, we in this. Yeah, everybody we, was broke. Like, we in this for real, for real. Michi, did Real Michi and Wildcat all ride in my car? I don't I know. I think they did. Like, the way down to Atlanta, I think it was all four of us in the car. On the way back, it was just me and Rail, but, and we was, like, listening to sermons and gospel music. <laughs> oh, my God. That is hilarious. So, now, looking back, though, have you ever done anything that you felt was a bad or a poor decision in your career? Because I know you said you had a lot of highs and that you, you know, you don't take anything, like, anything that comes, you know, you can get past it. But is there something that you've done in your past that you was like, wow, that was a really fucked up thing? as far as comedy is concerned in your career? Like specifically something that I did that I look at it and go, I should have never done that. That could be the case if that's if you have something in mind or just in general, it could be like, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't do that again. If you can go back and redo your 10-year journey, it's one thing that you would definitely avoid. Um, specifically, uh, two of the things I spoke out about in those posts. Um, one would be accepting that gig um, from the comic who, you know, um, you know, basically like, you know, I mean, he basically raped me. I uh, because I told him no several times and I wasn't interested and he just wasn't really willing to accept that. No. And because we're comics is such a thin line. Because he always, baby girl, I'm just playing. Like, I ain't really mean it like that. And you and you, you try not to be in your feelings and you try not to be sensitive about it. But it's like, nah, you for real. No, 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 I was playing. Like, you, you. And, it's, and the, the whole thing that, like, when specifically when, you know, abusers or whatever do you wrong, the first thing they try to do is make you feel like you're crazy. They try to make you feel like you're guilty. Um, and... I made the mistake of being too concerned about what people thought about me. I made the mistake of, yeah, I made the mistake of being too concerned about what people thought about me. I made some naive choices and decisions. I probably ain't had no business going all the way to Texas with somebody I barely knew like that for a $200 show six months in, but... I naively thought that, you know, hey, I've been putting the work in, I've been grinding. This person sees what I'm doing, and they respect it. So let me make sure I understand this correctly. Yeah. So you went on the road with somebody yeah. early in your career, about six months about in. Six, I was about six months in, maybe seven. And they invited you to feature for them. Yeah. And you did so, and yeah. then when you got there, they basically forced you to have sex with... Yeah, like, okay, so, yes. 
Okay. To answer it simply, yes. So you would regret your 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 decision yeah, behind that is having so, not went because you didn't trust them enough. Being so eager right, to, to do to, okay. to get my, you know, career going, being so eager to um being so eager. Like yeah. I just I was really like excited about what I was doing. And, you know, I was very naive and you know, like trusting people. And it's kind of sad because you should be excited. You should be able to be excited without having to worry about that. This is true. But, you know, like once again, and this is just all a part of your journey. Yeah. Everybody don't see the world the way you see it. Right. At that point, when I started coming, I was grown. I was grown. I was paying bills. I had been at my parents' house since I was 17 years old. Right. I had hired people and fired people. I was responsible for making sure people weren't stealing at work. Right. I was checking the accounting. I was checking the inventories, transactions. When stuff don't line up and match up, you have to have a meeting with me. You got to have your 30-day review with me. I was that bitch that you had to talk to when your work performance wasn't whatever. Right. And I had that before comedy. So it's like you don't you end up giving people too much benefit of the doubt of what they're capable of and who they are as people and in their character because they're so revered. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was new. Like, I didn't have no respect from nobody. I was just trying to get on, you know? How did you... I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. How did you end up handling that or overcoming that or getting past that decision? Like, how did you you settle that with yourself? Because you can't settle it with anybody else because you never know how people is going to receive things regardless of the fact, even if they say that they've... Once again, Understand the mistake it, but how I made did you... was caring too much about what people thought. Like, okay. I really should have called the police when he, like, came in my head, like, you got a phone, you can call the police. After I told him no repeatedly. Like, I, I could have, should have. So that was the statement he made prior oh, to well, oh, it let's, actually let's happening. This really down. Yeah, so my next question is about that post anyway. So yeah. if you just want to go ahead and give us a, a synopsis or a summary of what that post entailed, because I know that... I basically called, and, and this is what I, what I want to do, and I want to make sure that I'm very careful, like, moving forward with it. Okay. Um, as far as those posts were concerned, I stand by everything I said. Okay. I fucking mean that shit. Hand so just on the so, Bible, I mean that shit. So just, but a lot of my listeners don't. I don't think they know what post I'm talking about. It's so. fine. I'm gonna I'm okay. back up a second. But what I was gonna say was, what I don't want to continuously do, because I'm very aware of how women are viewed in the industry overall. Anyway, right. and my whole point and purpose of coming with this and being this way is because I no longer care about the standards and the backdoor practices and the policies. I don't give a fuck about that mm-hmm. shit. And so, yes, I reacted emotionally and named names and just came out like, look, this is my story. This is what happened. Here it is. Right. What made me, what brought me to that point, just so the people that's listening or whatever want to know, I was getting, like, DMs. I was getting uh, trolled from, like, fake accounts. People, like, really, like, you know how social media is so weird because it's so open or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to be all the way a 1,000 with you. When I had like 2,000, 3,000 followers, that wasn't the story. That wasn't what was happening to me. Right. But all of a sudden, you know, I'm picking up my following and da 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 You got like 100,000 on Facebook. I got 100,000 on Facebook and like 60,000 on uh, IG. Um, Somewhere as like the the following started rising, right, Mm -hmm. I started getting, I had an occurrence that happened earlier this year. Excuse me. Okay, this mineral water is doing Got you going. (laughs) It's it's like bubbling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a guy who used to manage me, I had an issue with him with the trolling from a fake account. The thing about these the trolls was the information was getting too personal. 
for it to be a random person on the internet. I was dismissing all of that. I block a person in a heartbeat or clap back because I'm a comedian and it's like, oh, I'm, let me roast you real fast. Like, you know what I mean? Because people don't expect <laughs> women to be sessions. able. Yeah, but people don't expect. But also just. And maybe I feel too strongly about that. Maybe I need to, like, bag off of that a little bit. But I really honestly feel sometimes when it comes to women, people don't expect you to stand up and buck back, you know. And when you do, it's kind of like, who this bitch think she is? You know, it's very much a, well, we're going to silence this bitch or we'll show this bitch. That's a true statement. I feel that happens. No. Yeah. And so I've had that happen enough in my journey where I'm at a point where, yo, I made 35 a couple weeks ago. I don't give a fuck. Real life. Like, bring it, whatever it is, bring it. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying I'm handling everything correctly. I'm not here to be the moral police. I'm not here to be on no righteous soapbox. I fuck up also. Right. But reality is, accounts and people were coming at me saying things, and it's like, who is putting them up to this? Like, why would they even feel comfortable to say this to me? Right. Like, where is this coming from? Right. I've been to the police about it. But the problem is when you don't have a direct connection of where it's coming from and who did it, when you can't go, I know this person did it, you don't really have anything. Mm -hmm. It's more of an annoyance. It's not a criminal charge. So all of this is going on in the background, and I'm trying to just go on with life as usual, take everything on the chin, you know, and do what I'm doing. But I'm like, who, why? I'm getting the feeling that just certain people are way too invested in my private life, and I don't I don't even know why. And it's like, for what? What is, what is it? I don't even care about what other people are doing. I really don't care. That's why I started blocking people. Because another thing that's weird about social media is you can't really control who follows you and why and what they're getting from your posts right. and, and, and why. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, it stops here because I don't really care about what you're doing in your life. I don't care. I wish you the best. Go be successful. Go be rich. Go be all of that. Just get the fuck off my page. Like, right. I, like no. You no longer can look at this because right. I don't. I don't trust you. I don't know what you want. Right. You know, me minding my business is clearly doing something to you, for you, or in the interest of something. And at the end of the day, everything is always about money, one way or another. Right. And I started noticing the loyalties and alliances. Certain people who were on my page doing certain things had to certain people. And it just all kind of connected like a little chain. And I was just like, all right. So whatever y'all think I'm on or whatever y'all think I got going on, here's what it is. I'm going to tell my tell on myself, I'm doing this. This happened to me. That happened to me. This happened to me. Judge me if you fucking want to. Do whatever you got to do, but this is what it is. So, of course, people are like, whoa, you was all peace and kumbaya like a couple days ago. What the hell? What, where is this coming from? What the, 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 the. It's like, well, the, the stuff that happened in the background, y'all don't see. And no, I was trying to be positive and not talk about it. I was... You know, right. being taken the high road. But the high road don't always work when it comes to certain people. Right. So you know what? Two fingers. Bam. Right. And that's what it was. So that's, you know, to explain why I jumped on social media. Also, I'm a comedian. Comedians express themselves. It's 2017. We can't be out here acting like it's 1987. It's not. Yeah. Richard Pryor would go and do his stand-up everywhere. When Richard Pryor said he sucked a dick, he did that at Hollywood Bowl, September 1977, in front of 17,000 people. Mm -hmm. It was shocking. It was whatever, but it was his life. And it's so interesting to me, when you let history tell the story, nobody ever, like, lingers on that. We all know that about Richard. He even wrote it in his book. When he did That Nigga's Crazy, yeah. he was talking about being high on cocaine. Uh, when he did... Um, 
Live from the Sunset Strip. That nigga talked about abusing his wife. He spoke about it. Shooting up his car. Being so hot, running from the cops, and then making jokes about it. You know when you fucked up and they know that you... The cops just be coming by to check on you. Everything all right, Mr. Pryor? Yeah, yeah, I'm cool today. Like, you know what I'm saying? And he made jokes about it. And it was acceptable. But for some reason, once again, like when women tell the truth about you know, what their story is, especially if they've been victimized. Nobody appreciates that. Nobody respects that. And we end up becoming the nasty I feel like black women. Specifically, black women, we have, we endure so much for the people we love. Black women have just this innate ability to protect and always feel like things have to be hard. We always overcoming some shit. We always loving in spite of. We always holding niggas down in jail. We always, this is going on and that's going on. But I got a family to raise and I don't have time to deal with myself. I'm just going to jump into superwoman mode and take it. And we take it. Mm-hmm. And we take it. And it's disruptive. It's mentally disruptive. It's disruptive to, you know, your well-being. And it's unnecessary. And it's very unnecessary. <laughs> we do it because we were taught to do it from... Exactly. We were taught that this is how black women survive, by doing this. Exactly. And that's not true. Exactly. Yeah. And so my thing is, I regret that I stood by someone, you know, because I didn't want to see a black man lose an opportunity. I didn't want to deal with the backlash and the shame of being involved in that when that was a very clear moment of upward mobility, not just for him, but for the people that came after him because, and you lived through this moment, so you know I'm not bullshitting with this, when he got that specific opportunity to work on that late night show, that opened up the floodgates for so many other people to be featured on that show. Oh, yeah, yeah. That opened it up. So in my mind, so had you, I been selfish. So you wrote the packet for that show? For that, for that show. Yeah, for him getting on that show. I don't, no, 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 no. I don't know the deal behind that. No, no, I didn't no, no. read the post, so I don't know exactly what you're specifically no, talking what I, about. What, that post, what I said was, this comedian broke my uh, ribs, punctured my lung. Okay. And I covered it up, and I was quiet about it so that he could keep his job on a specific got you. late night show. Okay, got you. Um, but, you know, we were all helping give tags and do all of that. I wasn't the only comedian that was involved in doing that. We yeah. all were. Um, but I also, the set that he did to get on the show, I was going everywhere around L.A. helping him tweak that set and put that set Got together you. so that when he performed it, he was at his best. Got you. Okay. Um, and just like really. So the support came from not out outing him in a, that yeah. could have damaged his. And, okay. Yeah. And I sat there with a black eye while I did it. Wow. And people saw it and they knew. But were you guys dating? We were, we were just really close friends. I don't Got even want to. We, we was really okay. close friends. And, um. At that time, I didn't have the strength and the maturity to really combat it or deal with it the way I should have done it. Um, and it continued after that point. And at one point, I filed a police report, and I got talked out of it by his manager and also by my father, which created a rift between my father at that point. Because my father was on some, well, y'all two people from Chicago, and it's black people, y'all don't want to be in the system, and da-da-da-da-da. Like, he really, like, promoted that. So that broke my heart with him. And we had to have our own little settling of, you know, whatever, later on. Mm -hmm. But all of that was happening. So I became to feel like people would be really against me. Right. And I didn't have enough going on in my own career. I can't speak out because this is going to ruin my ability to. Yeah, yeah. like nobody, you know. That's so sad. But I'm at a point now where it's so obvious who I am and what I'm capable of skill wise. So anything and everything I get from this point, you can't 
negate it because I'm just trying to get on some other backdoor way. How, how sway? I write things. I direct things. I edit things. I create things. I sing and I write. I do all of these things. And it's obvious. And the more I became forward about those skills that I have, that's how the social media like following came. I'm keeping them entertained. Yeah. I know how to captivate people and keep them entertained. That's an entertainer's gift. That's an artist's gift. And that's what I have. But because of certain friendships and alliances I've made in the past, those skills were always kind of hidden and overshadowed by the relationship of who that guy was at the time. And I was always treated as if I didn't have no talent because I was just trying to stand close next to this person for so long. That you thought did have the talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And people talked to me like that, including him. Yeah. Like any and every opportunity that I did get. I wrote for Hip Hop Squares the first time when it was on MTV2 when they had Paul Rosenberg uh, as the the host. And it was me and some other comics and we was writing up the punch-ups, the questions and all of that. You know, he saw that opportunity. He kind of was like, oh, that's dope that you're doing that. But then he would poo-poo it. Right. Like it could never just be I got it because I worked for it. Right. It was all of any time and every time I did those or did anything on my own, it would be that way. So those that all came to a head back in 2016. And I've just detached myself completely from that person all the way completely. And I just been minding my business and living my life. And I feel like that's making them even more mad. Because I really don't need them. And one of the things that was told to me specifically back in February of 2016 is that I will need him and I will need um, the people that he's aligned with. Those are the people that I don't want to fuck with or I don't need to make mad. And I'm just like, oh, really? Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we got on here and we talked about that because, you know, people call and question and ask just because I'm a comedian and we started about the same time and they got questions for me. And I'm like, first of all, I don't think me and Arana even connect on, I don't even think we're friends on Facebook. I'm not sure. I don't believe we are. And I was like, I don't know what fucking post you're talking about. I was like, so I don't know. And then they would explain it to me. And based on their analysis of it is, it sounds bitter. It sounds angry. It sounds this. And you know, when people tell you stuff, you kind of recycle images in your head of like, oh, this person is is going through something. This person is feeling this way. Mm -hmm. And by the third call, right, somebody's calling me like, man, what's going on with Arana? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she's just going through something right now, right? And that's like my response. And I was talking to my husband about it, Mike. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you met him. Yeah. Uh, we were discussing the situation. I said, I want to have her on my podcast. I said, but I'm getting all this feedback about this post and it's something about she's bitter and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And I gave him the rundown. He said, it sounds to me like she's found her strength. And I was like, point taken. Let me, let I was me. like, thank you for that. Because that gave me a completely different perspective of how I was looking at it because of all the calls I had gotten. And yeah. then for him to say, it, it sounds to me like she's gotten tired of it and she's finally found her voice to be able to express that because that was a bold move. I said, you know what? Thank you for yeah. that other side of the of the card because yeah. I wasn't looking at it like that. And that yeah. makes so much sense to me. Yeah. And I don't want to gloss this under the rug. I really want to be firm on this because like, people gave me feedback, too. People was all calling my phone and all, like, hit me out of nowhere and trying to fish me for information of what my angle might be. And there were some people that was trying to, you know, you should really write a book. You should really write a book. And I was like, uh, I kind of wanted to write a book, you know, whatever. And I would listen to them long enough to humor them to see where, you know, this was going. And then 
it would be one person over here and then another person over here, and all of a sudden it's like four or five people talking about a book. It's like, are y'all trying to press me for a book so that y'all can make this look like it's about money? Let me be real clear. I'm going to be a thousand. He had money then. Right. One of his biggest strengths is to always act like he ain't got shit that he got. Right. I know him. Right. He had money then. If it was about money, I could have did that then. Right. But it's not. It was never about that. It ain't even about it now. I ain't talked to him. I haven't. I have not. He he definitely ain't reached out. He reached out to me like this past June, and I ignored the text and let it go. Because one thing that has been a constant in the relationship between the two of us is he doesn't respect my fuck yous. When I've reached my limits in the past and been like, fuck you, you know, he'll honor it for like a month or two, and then he always come back with something. And then he'll take an opportunity and try to dangle it like he's trying to help me. Like when we fell out last year, I told him, look, I wish you the best, but I'm good. And like he was really pressing me and trolling me via text. Um, well, what you trying to say? I never did nothing good for you. Everything's just been all bad. Look, I don't even care no more. Just do you. I'm going to be fine. You're going to be fine. We good. Right. So then the very next text, why don't you come over to Conan? I got something for you. No, you don't. Right. You Because if you did, you would have led with that. You don't. Right. So I haven't been talking to him. This is your back end of like, please, please answer I me. <laughs> I haven't been talking to him since then. I have not. I have not made contact. I have not done anything. Um, he tried following me on social media back in September of last year. Uh, still hadn't reached out to me. I hadn't reached out to him. I was trying to let bygones be bygones. Like I was because I went through this thing of, well, you still want to work in this industry. You still want to, you know, um, you don't want to create more. You know what I mean? You want to kind of whatever. So I was like, all right, you know, all right, follow back. Right. Then, you know, some things kind of started happening that was weird. And I had to unfollow him. I was like, I don't like what he's posting. I don't like what's going on. And then it led to me just all the way out blocking him. But he called me. Well, not call me. He texts me in June. I really hope you guys have been enjoying this conversation between myself and Rana Lopez. And I truly thank her for being so open and honest and sharing her experiences here on the air with me for the first time. Um, that's pretty cool and pretty bold and brave of her to be able to speak so candidly about some things that she's faced um, in this industry. But... This doesn't end here. We also have part two. I just had to cut it up because it was kind of long. Um, so I want you guys to head on over and check out part two right now. And also, if you have any questions, suggestions, or comments that you guys would like to share, and you don't want to share it on SoundCloud or any open format, you can always email me at kellytalks at gmail.com. And that's like Kelly, like Kanye, K-E-L-L-Y-E, talks at gmail.com. All right. Go check out segment two now because we get crazy. Start talking about astrology. She reads me um, as this was taped two days before my birthday. And it's pretty cool. So check out the rest. All right. Thanks. Thanks.